Hi there, friend. Just a quick announcement before we get into the show. We really hope you enjoy this episode because it's all you're going to get for a little while. Seriously, though, Jordan and I have a number of projects that we want to work on to improve the show and our processes in making it. In addition, we have some side projects in the works that you'll hear more about on our socials in the coming weeks and months. It's a laundry list, really. We want to bring more different content to YouTube. We want to improve patron awards. We have a custom t-shirt that we're really excited about coming out soon. Even a milestone giveaway that's rapidly approaching for good measure. And life and work schedules being what they are sometimes in flux, we have little extra time to accomplish any of those things. So, we ask for your patience and understanding as we work on a bi-weekly release schedule for a little while. So, content still coming out. We're still releasing on Mondays, just every second week instead of every week. Hook and Chance is a constantly evolving endeavor, and we invite you to be a part of it. Ultimately, this show is for you. So we invite you to join our Discord or any of the socials you find on our website at hookandchance.com and tell us what ideas you have to improve the show. Help shape the content on YouTube and what that could be, and additional supplements that we're working on. So come be a part of the journey, come give us a hand, we welcome your ideas. Anyways, on with the show. If you're vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be wickedly charismatic, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to what can we use to add depth to our D&D cults? And what does a fantasy cult look like in practice? And what ideas can we glean from real modern-day cults? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. So yes, today, this episode, we're talking about cults. And my first thought, when I think of fantasy cults, is bloody rituals, evil goals, some serious chanting, probably a goat in there somewhere Yeah, <laughs> being tossed around. I mean, you and I were uh, nearly the target of becoming a cult Yeah, when we lived in northern Idaho next to all, some very <laughs> religious families, and we just happened to have goats <laughs> and didn't go to the church. And played music sometimes. And played loud music sometimes, which meant that we were probably killing goats on a mountaintop somewhere. <laughs> Sacrificing them to dark gods. That's how it happens. <laughs> it's so quickly, you can become a cult and not yep. even realize it. <laughs> but I think that is in, is exactly the problem that we're trying to overcome because it is so easy and so quick to reduce people to cult and like it's just evil people and you're like oh okay well they they're probably killing goats somewhere <laughs> and that's how we end up with some of the problems of creating cults in D&D is we just go well they're evil and that's why they must be stopped exactly like a cult starts with the potential of becoming more interesting because it's not just a monstrous creature we're actually talking about people here but like you said, Travis, we just slap on evil and all of a sudden you might as well be throwing any old monster with another bag of hit points at the players because there's nothing special. But look, unlike monsters who, you know, speak other languages, 
these guys chant other languages. It's different. <laughs> and I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all wearing the same color robe, and that means that they're bad. <laughs> Yeah, they just got a good deal on some fabric. <laughs> well, can you imagine, like, that's the thing that kicks off your adventure? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a textile manufacturer, and there is one person that just keeps coming and buying me out of all of the red fabric. Can you figure, like, I need some red fabric left over. Can you figure out, get to the bottom of this. <laughs> My stocks are getting hit. That's a great hook for an adventure. <laughs> so, like, not, hey, my child has been lured away, but, hey, the flow here of goods and services is being affected. I need you to go solve it. <laughs> and, like, what you just said, Travis, my child is being lured away is a plot hook that we're trying to move towards and away from the automatic plot hook of a cult, which is there's a cult doing evil. Go stop them. Like, well, I've done this so many times. Yeah. Like, I've just said, hey, uh, yeah, you come across this place. It looks kind of creepy. Um, there's You hear chanting inside. And then the adventurers, like my players, know exactly what to do. They're like, yeah. oh, I hear evil chanting in the distance. Draw my sword. We're yep. going to kick that door in and slay everybody. And then I started blasting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But Travis and I want our cults to be more and actually tell a story surrounding them. And I think a good place to start from is figuring out what's actually interesting about cults. Like in the real world, I think we're so fascinated by cults because we just can't wrap our minds around why people are lured into them. Like the questions that roll through our heads are, are they victims, perpetrators, somewhere in between? The moral mud on cults is very thick. Yeah, and it's so insidious. Like, we would look at one particular cult and go, unbelievable how they could buy into such malarkey. And then we ourselves go, oh, I actually, you know, I kind of kind of date crystals or whatever the case may be. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> there's so many things that we're willing to just bypass. And that is what makes this topic so fascinating, is how do we create a cult for D&D that isn't just a smattering of culty tropes, but actually is something that the players can go, wait, what? I'm starting to, uh, I don't think this is right. Oh no, this is terrible. Like that's the kind of journey that we want to take people on. But still have to decide who's the bad guy here. Yeah. And make some choices around that. Totally. And we know that you've got plenty of fun ideas for your cult. So let's talk about a structure you can put that into some details that can make it grounded and fantastic at the same time and challenge your party in all kinds of fun, moral ways. So something we should probably state on the front of this is that we didn't write this episode with any particular group in mind. But if any of this episode seems vaguely familiar or a little bit true to your own life experiences, it could be either purely coincidence or... Like a bad Jeff Foxworthy joke, you might be in a cult. Yeah. So <laughs> if any of this seems vaguely familiar, just, uh, you know, it wasn't intended. It's all for fun and lols. Anyways, on to the strategy stateroom. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. All right, so in 
true form. You have read numerous books on cults now. You're very deeply embedded into this topic. So what the hell makes a cult? I'm glad you asked. Yes, I have read most of a couple books. <laughs> <laughs> One being Cultish by Amanda Montell, The Language of Fanaticism, and Cults Inside Out by Rick Allen Ross. So it's safe to say... You're clearly the world's foremost expert on cults. God, please do not turn me into a cult leader about cults. <laughs> no, no, and no. But there's actually plenty of debate for what defines a cult. My guess is because cults try so hard to put on the facade that they are not a cult. Innately hard to describe them. But for the purposes of creating them in our fantasy RPGs, I don't think we need to explicitly define them, but just keep these points in mind. Cults are a group with a charismatic and worshipped leader, as opposed to a commune, which actively rejects leaders. It's a group where the leader manipulates its members, exploits its members, and for our purposes, again, we're talking about a group with a nefarious plot. They need, they need to be trying to bring back Tiamat. Yeah. Or worshipping something something evil it's gotta be evil <laughs> there's no point in confronting a cult if they're just hanging out being chill <laughs> in D&D we worship the carrot we grow many <laughs> carrots that's fine and in the real world there's actually a distinction that's made between cults and destructive cults because a group of people that are just super obsessed with a concept I mean you could argue that it's bad because it's pulling people away from their lives but other than that it's hard to point a finger and be like, they're bad. It's only the actions of a cult that makes them bad. Sure. Like, I get that. Because if we were working by that standard, gaming would be a cult. It takes right. us away from our friends and family. <laughs> and we puts us in dark rooms for hours and hours on it. Holy shit, I'm in a cult. Yeah, yeah. You could argue a lot of bad things about our lives. But moving past that, <laughs> let's talk about the steps to designing a cult for your game. We've got... Determine a theme and a nefarious goal is where you're going to start. Then we need to create a leader. Then create some cultists. And then we need to design a culture around that cult. And then focus on those details to make it extra creepy and nasty. So let's start at the top. We need to determine a theme and a nefarious goal. Cults and fantasy games like D&D always start with some kind of a fantasy theme. And I think it's good to start here because it's going to flavor the rest of your decisions you're going to start with that fantasy flavor and layer on the realism. It's a great way to blend them together and come out with something that feels like it fits in your world. Yeah. I mean, in the Forgotten Realms, you've got the cult of the dragon bringing about the rule of undead dragons. Right. That's the theme. You've got the cult of the absolute, which their whole thing is finding an all-powerful super weapon. Well, in Princes of the Apocalypse, you had four competing cults. and I remember running Princes of the Apocalypse, and guess how deep the world building went on those cults? <laughs> the theme? Yeah, it's, it was about as shallow as a kiddie pool. Yeah. Every single one of the cults just had a different color and a different leader. <laughs> Water cult. We bought out the blue fabric. Yeah. <laughs> the blue fabric's out of stock. Uh, the fire cult got all the red fabric. Really, this person's left with beige. Yeah, and they're probably a happy uh, fabric dealer. Yeah. Let's Fair be enough. honest. That, that's who's really behind all of the cults. Anyone want to start a dirt cult? I got lots of brown. 
And just like Travis and I, in Forgotten Realms, you also have the Cult of the Goat Head. <laughs> is that what our cult is called? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. They had goats. They worshipped Orcus, and they just had an undead demon theme. So then we need to create some kind of goal. Yeah, adventurers have to stop something. And, I mean, we're not going to get too deep into this. Get grand and specific. But any villainous goal is going to work here. Page 94 of the Dungeon Master's Guide has a pretty solid list to pick from. But you're good at coming up with those. You don't need our help. Yeah, I mean, this is really, you just take a random smattering of bad things to happen. That's the internal goal of the cult and the cult leader. Yeah. But now we get into the good shit. Creating that charismatic leader, that cult leader. That's so fun to hate. So, in order to do this, we need to create a leader that follows rules, that make a great villain for the campaign. And usually we want them as that... I think I think it's really evocative to have that good-looking, charismatic... I don't, why are they all... Like, real cult leaders aren't always good-looking and charismatic. Not always that simply charismatic, but... All cult leaders in the real world have some kind of charisma that draws people in. Yeah, yeah. That lets them create themselves into that worshipped figure. I see. Like, they're so manipulative, they can be a lumpy turd and find a way (laughs) to make them seem attractive and charismatic. Yeah, like, for example, we'll be mentioning Scientology a couple times, but L. Ron Hubbard, it's not like he was out there making charismatic speeches he was writing his ass off and luring people in through his writing and he wasn't on the cover of any you know men's health magazines at the time (laughs) so he wasn't overly attractive but here we are yeah but in D&D that's a pretty fun spin to put on it like just that charismatic face that comes across as well and good intentioned and the more you learn about them the more you realize that they are a sociopath that is manipulating everybody around them. Yeah, like you need to to respect them and then come to just loathe them. What are some of your favorite creepy cult leaders from comics or movies or games? Well, I was thinking about this for a while and then I realized that everything comes back to Batman and I kind of hate myself for it. But here we are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Ra's al Ghul is a really good example of this. From Batman Begins. Yeah. Well, he also had kind of the end goal that you can sort of align yourself. You're like, okay, yeah, people are kind of bad for the earth. (laughs) But exterminating everyone? Yeah. In a very aggressive and (laughs) messed up way. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. You know, the, the one that jumps to my mind is Joseph Seed from Far Cry 5. What I thought was really cool and like, Hats off to the creators of the Far Cry series because every single one has just been an awesome villain. Yeah. Like, my God, they're so good at doing this. They flesh them out. They really make them into characters. But Joseph Seed was was something special because he was so just kind of crazy in terms of everyone on the outside, like you as the player, could see immediately how nuts he was. But then, and manipulative, like on the surface, it was just, it started off that way. You're like, holy shit, this guy's a nut job. And then as the game went on, you could almost see his convictions and how much he believed in them 
and how he was just trying to help his family and make the world a better place. And you're like, oh, he actually believes it. Like he's not just a typical manipulator. Yeah. And an important note with these cult leader characters, too, is that they usually have some nugget of good underneath it all, but they have to believe that the ends justify the means for them to do all of this evil. Yeah. I also think a good video game example is Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2. <laughs> I mean, he's, oh, I love Handsome Jack yeah. so much. He's a, a genuinely comedic and likable character and that's the best part about him because he's he's like the billionaire he's kind of like elon musk and that he's just doing whatever he wants behind the scenes but putting on a good face yeah i really like that the entire time you know he saw himself as the hero character throughout that entire series and he saw all of your characters as the players like all of the adventurers the vault hunters as like you guys are the problem yeah. with the entire world. <laughs> I have to get rid of you. And it's like that weird like frenemy vibe almost because he kind of liked him, but also kind of hated it. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a really good vibe. Love-hate relationship. And I really like using a trick that I stole from Borderlands to convey that villain's personality is to give the villain a one-way communication with the party mm. so they can kind of just throw taunts and insults and help to make the party hate them that much more by the time they reach them <laughs> i love that being yeah. unable to like strike out against the person that's just <laughs> needling you the entire time yeah okay so we actually need to get to something applicable in building our villain so what are some of the techniques that cult leaders use to elevate themselves to this status? Well, generally, they're manipulative in every way. Their personality traits are mostly practiced, fake, and overwhelmingly positive. And to meet someone like this, you immediately have that reaction of like, well, you can't be this good. What's the <laughs> problem? What's the catch? Yeah. yeah. I think a really good framework for me to think through how this villain is going to act comes from the book Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini, who kind of just lists off the ways in which people wield influence. So reciprocity is the first one. People will try to give you something in order for you to give your time and attention to them. Yeah, I could see like some kind of cult leader saying, you know, you don't even need the, the plot hook. You just go, you've gotten an invite from somebody very powerful. And it, like, it's just come visit adventurers. I invite you. I'm going to put you up in my castle and I'm going to treat you like gold the entire time and gives you gifts, lavish yeah. you with like adventuring gear. Why not? And that's such a great way to start off some kind of cult adventure because your players are going to be like, obviously wary. But when this mysterious figure just starts bestowing all kinds of gifts on you, you're going to take it like you're going to be wary, but you're going to take it. Yeah, and I think that's honestly an adventure I want to run at this point is a cult leader treating the party like initiates. Yeah. Like trying to lure them into the cult. Hey, I just need you to do this one quick thing for me. <laughs> yeah. What's the next one? Scarcity. So the concept that there's only so much to go around. And I think a cult leader would wield this with their attention or time. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to talk about what you think is wrong, I'm only going to give you a little bit of time. You can ask any questions you want, but... <laughs> I'm going to be gone in five minutes. Yeah, like not being able to always get that kind of attention means that they can dodge all kinds of things. Yeah. They never have to be pinned down and they can just keep stringing people along that way. Yeah. 
cool. Then we have authority. Cult leaders are always presenting themselves as the ultimate authority. <laughs> I am the only one that can see this magic text. Yeah. That is tells us what we should do. Yeah, or I'm the only vessel of the greater power, or I am the greater power. Just I've trust me. I've seen the future, yeah. and I know what is going to happen. You want proof? You're going to die one day. That's true. <laughs> Therefore, I can see the future. Smart. <laughs> then we have consistency. And, I mean, they're not going to actually show consistency. They're just going to lie about it. Well, I mean, these kind of people tend to, like, change their goals depending on what they currently need. But it's always within the framework of a very consistent set of rules. We need to get to space in our magical spaceship. But to do that, I, I really need a, a really nice Reuben sandwich right now um, <laughs> in order to think on how to get us to space. Like they can they can wield whatever the hell they want. They can ask for whatever they want within this framework of we've got a very consistent goal and We've been working at it for decades. Yeah. I like that angle of the cult leader of like, if it's a new cult, they're claiming that it's not new. You're just learning about it for the first time. We've been around for a thousand years doing our good, good work. Oh, yeah, that too. That's a good point. So because it's old, obviously you can trust it. Oh, yeah. Like cult leaders use all kinds of twisted logic. It sounds good on the surface, but as soon as you actually consider it, <laughs> it kind of falls apart. Yeah. Then we have liking. This one's very simple. You're more easily influenced by people you like. So there's actually a concept called love bombing that almost relates directly to cults and how they do this. Hmm. Love bombing is feigning friendship and interest with flattery, affectionate touching, and attention. Oh, so that's why it's, everyone's always like massaging each other's shoulders and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Don't fucking touch me. Yeah, you, you enter the cult and they start petting you down and telling you how smart you are. And, oh, you've arrived. You've yeah. arrived. at the, You've made the best decision in your life. And honestly, I identify with this one a little bit because to tell a bit of a true story, when I was wandering around Hawaii, I had moved there by myself and I didn't know anybody. And I was wandering the streets kind of subconsciously looking for a friend. And this couple of people came up to me. And they were being so nice and so kind. And we chatted for like 10 minutes on the street. Oh, and no. then they invited me to their religion. Of and course. I walked away. But it's like, wow, I get how you get people. Yeah. And when you're in a vulnerable state like yeah. that, too, of not knowing anyone, you're a lot more susceptible to go along with almost anything. Yeah. So instead, I walked down to the beach and fell asleep. <laughs> Obviously, that's the natural next step. Fall asleep on a beach. Talk about risky behavior. Don't go with the two strangers, but just go fall asleep on a beach somewhere. Much safer in my mind for some reason. Oh, my goodness. Then we got social proof. Cult leaders are always trying to prove that they are respected and trusted by the people that you respect and trust. Ah, yeah. They're bribing officials. They're donating to good causes. Oh, yeah. Other causes that you have a vested interest in. Yeah. And there's another logical fallacy, the concept that, you know, if I've done one good thing, I must be all good. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, and then, you know, you always have this stable of corroborators that will heavily benefit from the support of the individual that are always talking about how good they are. Oh, 
yeah, no, they're a great person. They, But they have a vested interest in seeing that person succeed. So I could very easily see like a cult leader building up, you know, they've, they've got their cult, they've got their cult of true believers, but then also treating, you know, random villagers to wonderful things. Yeah. And why not build up a small village outside your culty temple so that when the adventurers arrive and they go, what the hell is this? We were expecting some malevolent temple and there's a, a tiny flourishing village. Here. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, they're great. I mean, they believe some strange stuff, but they're really good. Like they they help us. They actually gave us homes, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Then you got more moral grayness, because if you just go kill the cult leader, what happens to the community? That's why it's so easy to bust into that temple, because there's no there's no downside yeah. to it. They're about <laughs> to bring out an evil god. Yeah. And of course, cult leaders in real life always claim to either be a godlike figure or be the only vessel of a godlike figure. This happens so often. But the neat thing about fantasy gaming is they can actually be that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, legit. Demon lords can run cults. And they also aim to turn people into tools. Like, that's one of their main goals. They're trying to make it so that they can just command people and those people will not question them. Well, obviously, because then you could just get away with having a one-person cult. But you can't get a lot done with one person. <laughs> exactly. So, on that note, we obviously need to create some cultists. We need to create the followers that are going to follow our nut job. Right. And you can take your time to flesh these out as much as you want. But I think a, a nice starting point for creating a few cultists that your party can interact with is to separate them based on their attachment to the cult. So the first NPC I would make is the diehard. This cultist will do anything to please the leader. They are all in. Yeah. You need that total conversion, that total commitment to the leader. You need to see that fervency to the cause. And my problem in the past is making all of the cultists this way. Oh, well, that's the first stop. Is yeah. That, yeah, everyone believes equally and they're all totally bought in. Yeah. But then I would make the waffler. And this cultist is really on the fence about the whole deal. They're starting to see the cracks. So what if you just then picked like two to three of the previous elements that we kind of talked about? So, you know, let's just say that social proof, you know, obviously there are some other people within the cult that maybe don't fully believe or they kind of know that the secret is that they have not been around for 6,000 yeah. years, that they've only been around for like 30 so it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. I'm starting to question. Or, you know, they know that that town mayor was bribed. They're not just an actual supporter of <laughs> the cult leader. Yep. And the third NPC I would make is the terrified. This cultist wants out real bad. They know a lot, but they also know if they open their mouths or run, they're going to be killed. That exit cost that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, like that is a massive motivator for anyone indoctrinated into a cult is if I leave, I'm losing everything. And I'm, you know, in the case of an evil, you know, fantasy cult, yeah, I'm probably going to be killed or I'm going to be sacrificed yeah. or I'm going to be like, there's, there's worse fates than death in this fantasy world. But I like the idea of, you know, the party coming across this character and you can see it in their face and their eyes. Like you just roll an insight check and you can tell this person is 
terrified with every moment. They're putting on a brave face. Yeah. But yeah. They know something. You could get it out of them. Yeah. And with these basic three, you can pop them in anywhere you need them. Add a little role play to your party clearing out the temple. Sure. Now we need to get into some details. So we need to actually design a culture. And for this, you can, of course, use our culture creation worksheet that is on our website. And it can guide you through all of these steps. And I don't know if we've ever mentioned this, but it's it's free, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you can just go and download it. Like, we're not asking for anything. So download it willy-nilly. Use it. Hopefully, it's helpful to you. But you can also hear the episode where we created this culture creation worksheet in World Building with Culture Creation, which is episode 60. Anyways, on with culture creation. Right. And we're not going to go through the entire thing here. We're just going to kind of give you some things to keep in mind as you design your cult's culture. And I think when you're designing it, you kind of have to think about it in two halves. There's the face culture, which the cult leader designs. It lures people in. It's what's presented to the general public. And then the real culture, which is what keeps them in and keeps them trapped. And you can play these cultural values in two completely separate ways. They can be on the good end of the spectrum or the bad end of the spectrum. For instance, honesty. Like, how could you say that honesty could possibly be a bad value? Or as a cult leader, I can take advantage of that value of honesty, and now everything I tell you, I'm saying, obviously, I'm being honest, so that's my value, and that's so much easier for me to lie to you. So let's talk about some of those values. And on the front, we need the ones that sound good to an external audience to lure people in. Yeah. And they're usually based on the values of the surrounding culture. And I know this is getting pretty deep into world building, but like if you're building a cult that's in a dwarven city, it might start with some cool dwarven values and then they start to twist them and gets worse and worse the deeper you get. Yeah. I mean, Scientology appealed to folks looking for self-improvement. Very popular at the time. Like, this is how it describes itself. It's a practical religion built on workable principles that increase your understanding and ability to better handle life. I want in. That sounds good. I want to handle life better. But I also like how vague as shit it is. <laughs> so unspecific. We're, we're not going to tell you any <laughs> tangible takeaways. Yeah. And I think tied into this is you got to have a good sounding name to support this. Like, for example, the Cult of the Dragon, they're not handing out pamphlets that say Cult of the Dragon. No, you're going to question <laughs> Cult of the Dragon immediately. <laughs> so how about the House of Confidence? Ooh, I'm in. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I could use some more confidence. And kind of an interesting aside about real cults, finding common traits among folks that end up joining cults has proven real tough for researchers. Like, there's no reliable metric found so far for who ends up falling victim to cults. Oh, that's really powerful. Because, like, we would typically play the, say, the villagers in the cult as one type of person. Kind of gullible. Yeah. Maybe a little stupid. Like, how could they possibly? Well, I, I will assume that they're not the brightest. That's really that's powerful is that yeah. anybody could fall prey to a cult very easily. And all they've found so far is that people in their weaker moments and every human being on the planet has weaker moments. Sure. That's when people fall prey to cults. The closest thing to getting some kind of unifying factor is that 
idealism is what draws people into these cults because they want to be a part of a greater good and they want to actually serve that face culture. And everyone is idealistic about something. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's dangerous. Yeah. So let's talk about the actual inside culture of our cult. So what actually happens once we get in there? Right. So the real culture is one of obeying the leader. That's the only value inside the cult. Everything they do has been designed by the cult leader, and it's just to keep and control the members. So we need like an initiation that really tries to help figure out who is going to be 100% into the cult. Yeah, and I feel like this is a huge part of how to think about cults and like a, a major component of cults. And you might not be able to use all of this, but maybe it'll spark an idea or two for your games. The first step of their initiation is to lure people in with that face culture. We talked about that. Then love bomb them. All existing members are trained to do this for initiates. Oh, as soon as those adventurers walk in, they get every single one of the members just pawing over them. Oh, yeah. look at the brave adventurers. <laughs> Complimenting their individual yeah. features. And oh my gosh, that bow, you must be such a skilled hunter. Yep. Then you got to get them invested with time or money or energy. The cult is now asking them to do some favors or tasks. Maybe just donate a little bit. It's going to a good cause. That's all you need is just one of those adventurers to donate a little bit. And now they're in. Then you have to create a system of morality that obfuscates the fact that it's basically instructions on being a good follower, not a good person. So you see this in a lot of cults that kind of branched off from a religion where it's service to a higher power is the ultimate form of morality. And guess who that higher power is? Well, it's me. So <laughs> Go figure. That's convenient. Then you create a system of exclusive terminology that creates the desire to understand. And it creates the separation between us and them. We, you got us, the cultists, we're good. And you got everyone else who doesn't know the language. You can immediately spot them. And it's why we've created secret handshakes. Yeah. And Scientology has created a literal pair of dictionaries with 3,000 specific terms. And there yeah. are so many like secret decoder rings and uh, magical tattoos and secret handshakes and high fives and waves. So not that you need to create 3,000 for your cult, but if you just pepper in two or three of these, it'll kind of create that air. Yeah. And you might be thinking like I was about the fact that every specialty needs specialized language, like every trade or every every career needs some form of specialized language. It isn't that weird to have it. But the difference is that cults will do it in unnecessary ways, like making an acronym that adds length to the word <laughs> rather than shortens it. So it's like you're just trying to keep people out. Yeah. Then you got to convince them that anyone that criticizes the cult doesn't understand them. Any criticism is evil. Yeah. Yeah. The cult's good. And so anybody that doesn't like them must be morally bankrupt. Yeah. And probably not have the same heart and soul. They must not be good people deep down. And it, honestly, in order to keep yourself true to the cult, you might want to separate yourself from those people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because they are the wayward flock. We need to help them and fix them, but don't let them get too close. Yeah. Because not until they're up. in. Mm hmm. Then you got to slowly take control of their habits and routines. You create a complete lifestyle for the cultists so that they don't even know what they do if they didn't have you telling them what to do. Oh, yeah. 
routines and rituals and everything's taken care of for them. Then the individuals start to become eerily similar to the leader in demeanor and behavior because that's all they know. Yeah. They're totally cut off from the outside world. And all of this exists to set up steep exit costs because if you even think about leaving, you got to ask yourself, where are you going to live? What money are you going to have? Who's your community going to be? Are you willing to take the chance that we're wrong? And that's how we end up with people that don't actually believe but just cannot leave because they would uproot and destroy their entire lives. Yeah. So this is where we can really start to throw some of that fear in those villagers' eyes when they go, oh my God, I like once the veil has been dropped, then they can actually be normal about it and be like, listen, I did not believe in this from the start, but now that you have murdered everyone in that temple, my life is over. Like <laughs> I have to move. There's no infrastructure here anymore. Like all of that kind of stuff starts to, to fall apart. Yeah. And so to fantasy this up, the cult leader could give members magic items that stop working on exit. Ooh. They could design some kind of Professor X style tracking system for their own cultists. That's good. Like you're not getting away. I will always know where you are. You could give cult members the option to exit through the gauntlet of abandonment. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound fun? That you sounds go. like a great time. <laughs> Just step through this beaded curtain and behind there is you're going to find a long hallway and it's going to be a very unpleasant exit. <laughs> are you sure? That you don't want to just stay another day. By the way, we don't know what happens to people in there. <laughs> there's there's just a pit, a chute that goes into a fire at the end. <laughs> yeah. Or, of course, this one's fun. They could give rewards to cultists that bounty hunt those that got away. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's not fun. Getting dark. All right. Let's wrap this all up with just focusing on a couple of the details that can really add some realism and bring your players into this fiction by focusing on a few details. Yeah. So one that I think is really interesting and I think with a little bit of consideration can make a big impact in your games and the way your cultists speak is the idea of thought terminating cliches. So these are common in our everyday, but cults use them specifically to shut down thought. It's a form of loaded language intended to end arguments and quell cognitive dissonance and just shut down occultists individual train of thought so well that's your opinion <laughs> that's that's one of them yes got it because it's it. hard for me to argue with the fact that you're calling facts opinions let's agree to disagree is another one because <laughs> you're not saying you're right you're not saying that facts matter you're just saying we'll never know and i love that because as soon as one of the players at the table says uh hey what are you doing here? Like, this cannot be good. You can't possibly... Well, that's your opinion. Yeah. And it just, it <laughs> destroys. It really is quite effective. Or uh, your cult leader just blew up a town. Let's agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are... There's rubble over there. You can walk and look at it. Yeah. Or, you know, a couple of examples that are prominent in religions is God moves in mysterious ways. God has a plan. This is all a part of it. These are both ways that just shut down you trying to think through how to actually solve problems. Yeah. It's like, don't don't think. Stop thinking. Well, it's ripe in politics, too. You've got support our troops. 
no matter what can we can we talk about this can we yeah. talk about what's potentially good and bad no just blind support and that's a good example of the irrelevant conclusion fallacy which i think is really powerful it's making a point that's besides the point mm. well yes support our troops i care about the people i'm not saying i don't i'm just asking you questions about the reasons behind it well and it's the whole like we better align ourselves with a color red or blue orange in canada <laughs> if you'd like yeah blindly following that color creates that us versus them that is yes. so common within cults and then all kinds of groups will use terms like better dead than red to support those colors and that's creating a false dichotomy it's like no we can talk about how to improve our group <laughs> let's talk about how to improve both how about that <laughs> yeah. like let's fix some shit and talk about it or the classic love it or leave it it's like those are not the only two options <laughs> you can't <laughs> there has to in order for any improvement to happen yeah. we have to discuss things so these kind of like just immediate abort buttons are yeah, like, yeah. no i'm not having this conversation and cultists can be just spewing those out left right and center i love that that's so easy okay so Let's put all of this into practice. We need to actually, you know, walk the walk and create our own cult. And I think uh, for my purposes, we're going to have to we're going to have to help my campaign, please. Of course. Always taking the opportunities. <laughs> sure, let's do it. All right. So I need a demonic cult. And in my game. In this world building that we've kind of created, uh, I've kind of mashed like demons and devils together into just a group of general fiends. Yeah. And they won a war about 400 years ago. Uh, demons and, and devils just ran amok and it forced all peoples into uh, refuge within these large safe cities, like just a few left. And they created magics that keep the demons and devils at bay. But I'm thinking that there's one settlement, our cult, that doesn't need the magic. Okay. And they're able to just live freely and comfortably outside the safe walls and the magic of the city because their leader is helping them do so. And the reason that I like this is just because I want to make their cult leader a literal demon. <laughs> yeah. Because that's awesome. Totally. Why can't the, the followers of the cult see that this person is a literal <laughs> demon? It, it's got horns. It's got a tail. It's got wings. Why can't, we, why can't they just accept it? Right, because that's the perspective we always have in our world about cults. Like, it's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're actually going to put this to the test, we need to make it so that this is actually plausible. Like, we need, even when we're using the extreme example of demons being literal cult leaders, yeah, we need to see if our steps can help it so that like even the players can see, can at least empathize with how people would follow this person. Yeah. So I assume the kind of fantasy theme we're leaning into here is fiends, demons. Yeah. So then what's their nefarious goal? Well, I think the, the nefarious goal that they're going to lean towards is like, the cult leader is going to desire political power over every one of the surviving cities. And because 
he couldn't necessarily just walk into the city because, again, that magic is keeping him at bay. Oh, okay. And obviously, he's a demon. (laughs) I think that he's going to be using some of his followers to tackle tasks inside the city. And then, of course, because he's a demon, he just wants to live a very lavish life at the expense of his followers. Yeah, that makes sense. What's the name of this cult that sounds good on the surface? Well, I've got a map that I want to kind of use, and it looks really cool. I'm using a Tailspire map. And so it's a giant, like, demonic-looking kind of cathedral. So I think something that kind of sounds vaguely culty would be the Children of the Steadfast Cathedral. Ugh. I kind of just get creeped out hearing that name because it's so culty. But it's again, so culty. <laughs> it's like it could be perceived as all right. Well, the leader, his name is going to be Zeleth Azamok. Very demonic. Yeah. What's his deal? Well, I mean, obviously he has to be attractive and charismatic. Uh, and he's going to have huge horns and wings. And, you know, I could see him... Leaning into that, like the the charismatic leader of like, I too would be skeptical of me. I mean, look at the way I look. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm thinking is that like, he's taking some of those personality traits like passionate. He could be passionate and people could see him and go, oh, wow, he's he's a passionate dude. Like, look at him give that speech. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they would play off his passion when he cuts someone in half with a giant flaming sword be like he's very passionate and that person was a doubter right yeah they're explaining it with his traits that exactly he's conveyed uh paternalistic is another one where it's like he's very gentle and he's calm and he wants to encourage and inspire and lead and then when again he somebody does something wrong The paternal side comes out again in a different form, and they get the beat down. Ooh, I don't like it. Punishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So things like that. I like it. And I think you could work in a few of those influence steps in there, too. Oh, yeah. Like consistency. I could see the idea that he's pitching, like, we were around for thousands of years. And yes, the demon wars have weakened us, but we made it through. No other group (laughs) can claim the same. Yeah, yeah, because like the rest of the world is huddled in cities and they're just brazenly out with no walls, <laughs> no magics. Keep it. Well, that's because he's a demon. <laughs> of course, he was able to. And yeah, like the we've been around for thousands of years. Most shit was destroyed. So there's no record of a lot right. of this stuff. You can't corroborate it. You just have to accept it at face value. Cult leaders always make claims that can't be proven or authority like. Maybe he was a normal man, but he stepped up to save the organization by negotiating peace. This is his story anyways. Oh, even though he's just been a demon forever. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like he's keeping the demon like he's somehow used his diplomatic ways to, you know, influence the surrounding demons. I like that. I think he could also use that scarcity piece. And if he has, you know, in this fiction that, world building we've created there is so much demon blood spilled on the entire world through these wars that it's kind of tainted everyone and they have all got some like a lot of people have demonic traits but i could see him using that to his advantage and saying you know what 
uh, I look like this and I could turn into a worse demon and I need to use about 20 hours of my day fighting back this curse. And I am doing this nobly. Yeah. And I could see him saying that it's like, it was uh, part of the deal that he had to make with the demons is to take on the curse. Or oh, something like that's that. good too. Yeah. 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 And so he only has five minutes for his followers every day <laughs> yeah. when really he's just like playing cards or something <laughs> in his tower. Just indulging. Yeah. So I think their culture is one of like resilience and perseverance in the face of oppression. They love that aspect. Like, look at us. We're living boldly and freely in this world that is honestly a trash fire like you should probably whatever we're doing is probably pretty great and you should probably join us yeah you actually touched on something there travis because that's another thing that real cult leaders use to defend themselves is anytime anyone criticizes them they just use the word oppression (laughs) go figure yeah yeah oh man well i like going back to that whole like mythology of this person is that all of those the defenders of this cult leader whenever anybody says like he's he's a demon you can see that right and again going back to those you know phrases of like that's just your opinion like you don't know <laughs> where he really comes from none of us are old enough to remember yeah it so, is what it is it is what it is god that's so good <laughs> the the pitch for this place is really you know you guys are playing in a in a game that's heavily influenced by like gang life and Within the city, there's tons of lawlessness and, you know, it's not a great existence because of all of the demons that are constantly like everything's kind of disrupted by this. So they would get followers no problem with the pitch of, are you tired of this lawlessness, of this crime, of all of this death? Yeah. You should seek refuge with us. Yep. You'll get a safe home. Everything will be easy for you. Peaceful. Yeah. Serene out in the wastes of this yeah this aftermath and of course we have to live in service to zeloth it's of the highest order because he works tirelessly (laughs) to keep us safe and he only has so much time in a day yeah uh you get given a home upon your arrival they're getting together as communities and slapping up homes like in half a day and anybody that wants to come has one there's one ready for you along with a a furry friendly pet that they (laughs) give to you your choice. Oh, that uh, would be hor- that's evil. Yeah. Giving somebody a pet that yeah. they oh, that's that's bad. Well, you could just throw whatever rewards your party is going to like at them. I mean, you could give everyone in the town a plus 1 suit of armor with fire resistance or something. Ooh. Just get wild with it. That could be such a lure for the players, especially if they hear that you get a plus 1, yeah, you know, breastplate or something like that upon entry of course you're gonna go for that (laughs) and it can almost be like one of their everyone in the cult needs like a black robe kind of thing Mm. they all get this breastplate yeah that's way more tempting and i like that anyone in the community you know if if any criticism comes from their leader's demonic appearance or from any arguments of substance they just throw a thought killer those are city thoughts (laughs) stop with your silliness yeah Another way to kind of keep the doubters at bay is any questions are brought to the lieutenant. Like, obviously, this person would need somebody to run the day-to-day or probably help somebody who's in on it, somebody who recognizes the... But, like, 
maybe they're extremely tough and brutalistic and you know they're able to do like good cop bad cop all the time because they've got one person that is the war side of things and should shit go down that's where the lieutenant comes in but any questions any doubts are brought to that person and it's like i don't really no i'll just live with my doubts thank you very much oh you have a question come on over uh you just have to do a one-on-one meeting with the lieutenant um it's in a large chamber (laughs) go to the enlightenment chamber yeah 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 with with, like torture devices hanging (laughs) on the wall (laughs) he's sitting at a desk that's like a hundred yards across from the door that you have to awkwardly walk to i like that it's all intimidation so we've got lots of steep exit costs you know they have to leave the community they don't get the protection demons can attack them they gotta go and live in that squalid city of crime and filth yeah yeah we got we got everything we need now of course you need a name for the outsiders something like the strugglers we are the chosen and they are the strugglers yeah if you leave you will be tainted and you may come back but you must work your taint out (laughs) (laughs) that dies here never say that again deal (laughs) hopefully that was helpful hopefully you got lots of ideas for an evil cult that you can throw at your players and do share with us any evil cults that you created off the back of this episode we would love to hear what diabolical things you're putting your players through absolutely we love that kind of creepy stuff you can throw it to us on our discord or uh, reach out to us on twitter or just comment on youtube whichever vehicle you feel like using and thanks as always to our charismatic patrons we would happily follow you as you try to resurrect an elder god of terror (laughs) and destruction upon our world (laughs) sounds good and A special welcome to our newest patron, Marley R. And thanks, Gar the Pirate. Time Warp. Nico Y. Zach G. No Ma'am. Michelle T. Antenius. Alan E. Matthew T. Felix R. Chris F. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. GM Tim. Thomas W. Tyler G. Ty N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldrost. Leprechaun. And Will HP. Thank you all so, so much. Thanks also to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. You can also join an awesome community of players and DMs by joining our Discord. That's where you can come and share all of those ideas that you got for your own cult. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and never question us. <laughs> <laughs> no, please do.